Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. One note about today's podcast. This podcast was recorded, produced, and finalized prior to Apple releasing its new screen time limits for parents. Many of the topics that are discussed in today's podcast can now be addressed specifically with the use of Apple's new screen time limits. I will be producing a follow-up episode to go over the usage of Apple's new screen time limits. But for now, please look in the show notes where I will link an article about the new update. And now, on to the show. If your skin doesn't know whether to break out or wrinkle, if you're caught between planning the third grade class party and researching retirement plans, or if you want to work out but the idea of CrossFit makes your 40-something knees ache, you've come to the right place. Welcome to This Unmillennial Life. I'm your host, Reagan Jones, and welcome to today's show. Back in season one, towards the end of the season, we covered cell phone monitoring with Titania Jordan. I received so much positive feedback from that episode. But one of the things that came across loud and clear, and I feel this myself, is that beyond just monitoring what our children are doing on their cell phones, many of us as parents are wondering how much time should our children actually be on their cell phones or their electronic devices in general. And I know up front that topics like these are ones that it's really hard to put a finite number on. Families are different. Children are different. Parents are different. All of our scenarios are different, but there are some clear guidelines that have been set forth by various organizations that do seem to influence how we should approach this idea of screen time limits for children. One of the things that I find really insightful is that executives who work in the tech industry have, in many cases, some pretty stringent rules that they actually implement in their own lives. And that's what we're going to be covering on today's show. Screen time limits and cell phone monitoring for children is probably going to be a topic that I'll be bringing back later in this season. But specifically today, I'm interviewing Elizabeth Chuck about her NBCnews.com article answering the question, how much screen time is too much? She interviewed 10 tech executives, and she's going to share with us what she found in talking to these tech executives about how they handle screen time limits in their own homes. So with that, I would say, Elizabeth, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. When I stumbled across your article detailing uh, the, the interviews that you did with tech executives and what you found out about what they do in their own families about screen time, I was like, I hope I can get her to come on the show and share this with people because I think, you know, we as unmillennial parents and all parents, we tend to like to hear how other people are tackling things. But then when you think about that, these are the executives that are really deep in the trenches of understanding sort of the risks, the benefits, the pitfalls of screen time. Those are the people that I really want to hear from. So you you had the opportunity to interview them. First, tell us a little bit about um, that process, what you found out in interviewing those um, tech executives. Set that up for everyone. 
Sure. So I interviewed 10 tech executives about the screen time and device limits that they set for their own children. And it was a really interesting experience. When I set out to speak to these folks, I didn't know what kind of answers I would be getting. And and as you said, this is something that is a real issue or a real question um, among our generation these days. How do you parent in this time of immense screen time and device use? So I was very curious to speak to the people who in their day jobs are promoting exactly that, screen time and device use. And um, I have to say, I was I was very surprised by the range of responses that I got from them. Among the tech, the tech company executives that I spoke with were the, uh, the founder of Nextdoor.com, which is a you probably know it's a neighborhood social social network, um, Code.org, which is a, um, a nonprofit coding platform that encourages teaching coding in schools. Um, I spoke with Imager, which is an image sharing site. I, I really spoke with a pretty wide range of people and um, all within the tech industry, but all kind of focusing on different aspects of tech. And um, as I said, they had a very, a very broad range of responses. Some of them were very, very strict about their kids' tech use. And I should say before I go into the um, into what they into their actual responses, I should say that they had kids ranging in age. I spoke with some parents who are tech executives who were parents to teenagers. I spoke with a bunch of executives who were teen who were parents to younger children, you know, preschool age, mm-hmm. and then some who had even even younger, and then some who had somewhere in between. So that, of course, um, affected the responses to some degree as well. But yeah, they really had a very big range of, of what they said that they did when, when it comes to their kids. Some were extremely strict. They said, you know, if my four or five, six-year-old is on my phone or on our computer, I'm, I'm right there behind them. I'm, I'm peering over their shoulder. I'm making sure that, you know, the kids' videos that they're watching on YouTube really are what they purport to be and making sure that there's not some inappropriate ad that's popping up or that the, um, the YouTube video isn't automatically going to some, some, you know, unsavory content after my child has been watching Peppa Pig or whatever. Um, and then there were others who said, you know, technology is everywhere. Mm-hmm. Our kids are going to be exposed to it. They're going to have access to it, whether we like it or not. The best thing that I can do as a parent is speak with them about understanding the risks and benefits themselves of technology and ask them, you know, instill in them a sense of when I'm watching this program on YouTube or when I'm playing around on this social media site, how do I feel? Do I feel good? Do I feel positive? Do I feel like this is something that I would be proud to be associated with? Um, And then there were all sorts of other areas that these tech execs touched on. There were some who said, um, you know, I'm the mother to to two tweens, two girls who are, you know, very much obsessed with Instagram. And I know that I can't change that. It's in their culture. It's in their school. It's in their friendship group. But what I want them to be aware of is when they're looking at Instagram, I want them to ask themselves, is is this realistic what I'm looking at? If I'm looking at someone whose airbrush, is that a realistic expectation of beauty that I should have for myself? Mm-hmm. So just kind of making their children aware of the potential uh, other side of of what they're being presented with um, when they scroll through their Instagram feeds, um, and then there are some tech execs who just simply said, you know, even though this is my job and and I'm trying to 
get people to use my technology or my platform. When I'm at home, I put the phone away. My wife and I, or my husband and I, we don't look at our screens. We try to make family time about family time. And if we are using our computers or our phones or apps, it's to enhance real life experiences. Meaning, you know, if I'm going, if I'm spending the weekend with my boys and we're headed to the park, then I might pick up my phone to order some takeout in advance um, so that we can go and after the park, go pick up the takeout. But I'm not glued to my phone when I'm, when I'm with my children. Um, And and one executive in particular spoke pretty extensively about that, and that was Mirav Tolia, who's the who's the um, the chief executive of Nextdoor.com, that neighborhood site that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said that he feels like, among other other titans in the tech world, who are parents, that this is a growing trend. That as much as they as much as they're hoping that their product will be successful and used by many people when it comes to their own children they're becoming aware of the the dangers and the downsides of technology which in recent years has been published um in research to to have some potential downsides i mean we know that there's a um there's a link between screen time and depressive symptoms or even suicidal thinking in adolescents, especially among females. And we know that social media use is tied with anxiety symptoms among young adults. And of course, all of this is just uh, correlation, not necessarily causation. So I don't think anyone should be afraid that if they see their teen, you know, posting on Facebook, that they're automatically going to have a depressed teen. But I think the research on this is really just emerging and we're just sort of starting to understand what it means to grow up in an age where computers have always been around and the internet has always been all around us. And there's no handbook for it. I mean, we did at the end of last season, we did an episode on monitoring, cell phone monitoring with the founder of Mark, one of the the primary um, internet monitoring apps. And, you know, that was really kind of one of the the things that came out about that is that, you know, we've been parenting as a, as a society, a culture, humanity for, you know, many, many years, but we haven't been doing it with this dynamic of really having to figure out, you know, what is the right amount? I mean, we, we can have clinical studies that say, what is the right amount of sugar they should have, or what is the right amount of sleep that they should have? But we, we just haven't really had that. So a lot of it is, is that unknown? I, I I like what you said in that you pulled out one of the particular executives and said that it, either he or she acknowledged that for her ch- children that social media is such a part of their culture. And I can see this having a, a child that's going into middle school that I have been very very um, strict about keeping social media and and just cell phones honestly in general away yeah. from my children. But they do reach a certain point where it's really very difficult to completely limit it. And I liked uh, and wrote down what you said about. What I, the way I interpret that, really parenting your children when they are in social media or on social media or on screen times. And I, I think that's probably a point that when we see the scary reports, we don't hear enough about that as a recommendation of saying, okay, there, it's not maybe all or nothing. There is a degree of having right. to do a little bit more active parenting. And that's kind of tough to hear as a parent. Would you say, um, one, that that's kind of an accurate depiction of what that tech executive was was saying? And then two, 
what would be some other recommendations that you pulled out of that uh, for for parents that are listening for them to figure out what they can do in their own homes? Sure. Yeah, I absolutely would say that that's an accurate depiction of, of what that particular tech exec was saying. And I think that there's a number of things, at least this is what the, the people who I interviewed were telling me. I think there's a number of things that you can do to not control your child or attempt to control your child when it comes to this, but at least to come up with a game plan. And one of those things is really to just talk to the other parents of of your child's friends and see what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Because I think that there's a, uh, this didn't come up in this particular story that I was working on, but I think it's come up in some other research that I've done. I think there's, I believe there's a campaign called Wait Till Eight. You might be more familiar with it than I am, mm-hmm. but I, it's this notion that uh, parents and kids at a particular school or in a particular community agree to hold off giving their kids cell phones until they're in eighth grade. And the idea is that if none of the kids have it, then there won't be that, you know, that pressure from other than kids coming home to their parents and saying, hey, well, so-and-so has their phone and they're always on whatever site and and whatever game. And so it's not fair that I don't have it. But um, I think that in reality, it might be very hard to hold off until eighth grade in many cases with with giving a child a cell phone. I mean, so many, so many kids are using cell phones to tell their parents, okay, I got, I got here safe, or I need whatever, I need directions, I took the wrong bus stop, whatever, once you give, once you give kids some independence. So some of the other advice that, um, that the folks that I interviewed had was to Give your kid a cell phone that's literally a dumb phone that mm-hmm. doesn't have an internet connection, just so you can say, this is for you to call me in an emergency and we'll go from there. But you don't have access to the internet. You don't have access to apps. And this is what this is for. And then we'll revisit getting you know, getting you online with your phone at a later point. Um, another person who I interviewed said that from the moment that he gave his son, who's now, I believe, 16 years old, um, a cell phone that he said the rule is that there's not many rules, but the only rule is that there's uh, no device use in your bedroom. So mm-hmm. as soon as this this kid goes to bed, he turns off the laptop, he puts the cell phone in the charging dock downstairs, and that's just kind of how they've always had it set up. And and this particular father said that he felt that this was effective because so many of the concerns that um, that that his child's peers parents were were expressing were about well you know I don't know if online bullying is coming into play I don't know what my kid is doing when they're out of sight and he felt like if I if if my son doesn't have his phone in his room or his laptop in his room he can't really veer off into some dark corner of the internet that I don't know about whether this is actually true or not I guess is debatable but um, he at least felt like we have set this rule where. My son is not alone in his room with his cell phone and, you know, with whatever is going on. And he actually gave an example of um, this particular teen had uploaded some videos of himself um, playing the guitar, I believe, on YouTube. And he had gotten, you know, whatever, some nice comments. And then he had gotten some some trolls just saying, oh, you're not very good at playing the guitar. Why are you doing this? And um, because this was kind of out in the open when he was reading the comments in the living room or the family room or whatever, he said that his son was able to say to him, hey, I I just got these comments and, you know, Mm -hmm. 
doesn't make me feel particularly good. And they were able to have a conversation about it. So, um, yeah, I guess that's just another piece of advice that, that they were able to offer about keeping those lines of communication open between parents and kids. I think that is a wonderful piece of advice. And it echoes some of what I've been reading more and more about in kind of mitigating some of the risks that are associated with constant exposure and constant connection. You know, it's funny because when I, and I said this to you before we started this interview, that because we are um, an unmillennial crowd and even older, that many of us, the majority of us, not all of my, my listeners, but the majority of us are really, when we're worried about screen time limits, we're not just worried about, you know, how many hours a day are they watching Pe- Peppa Pig or, you know, <laughs> watching um, just uh, cartoons. We're really worried about, you know, how many hours are they sitting and looking at Instagram and are they seeing um, that, that there are parties going on that they're not involved in or, like you say, sure. trolls that are out there um, that are commenting on things that they are not being able to be parented because they're in their rooms or they're um, pulled away from us as parents. So I love that you shared that. And I think it, um, even in those, those three examples that you gave about wait till eight, which I was not familiar with, I can't wait to look up, look that up. I think that sounds um, like a campaign I could certainly get behind because I can already tell you that as a sixth grader, my son is one of the absolute few in his grade from what he tells me that does not have an active working phone. He has an iPod, sure, but I'm not ready to give him 24 hour a day, seven day a week access to the internet. So I'm I'm, going to look at the dummy phone. I've heard that from other parents who have just stripped down a phone so that is only for emergencies. And then and no right. device in your bedroom. I think those are all three um, actionable tips that you've given people that um, can kind of help them begin to feel out where they are on this spectrum. Now, Elizabeth, yeah. was there anything else from interviewing these tech executives or your research on this subject that you think parents need to be aware of when they're considering how much screen time they allow for their kids or even, you know, monitoring their children and their and their usage? Yeah, there's a couple other things. One is from some research that I had done for a prior story in speaking to psychologists and um, suicide prevention experts. Uh, they point out that going to school now is very different than it was for previous generations, including on millennials, mm-hmm. because when we went to school, if if there was a bully, you got maybe you got bullied in the schoolyard, maybe you got bullied after school, but then it mm-hmm. ended. You left school and you left your you left your bully. And uh, many psychologists now are pointing out that because of this constant connectivity to being online and being on these apps and being on these messenger apps and and these social networks that that the school year kind of, the bullying at least in the school year kind of never ends. If you're being tormented by someone, they can, by a classmate, they can find you on on your phone if you have access to a phone 24-7 and, and really make, kind of make your whole day miserable, which is, which is awful. Um, at the same time, I think it's, and I'm sure that, that you, you talk about this all the time with uh, with other guests and on your on your podcast, but I think it's really important to point out that that this is not something that necessarily means that children are going to be terribly unhappy if they're allowed to use social media and if they're allowed to use certain apps. Um, a lot of these tech ex- executives said that um, while they have pretty strict 
rules. A lot of them had the rule of not um, not using phones during dinner time and, and certain family events because they felt like that really took away from their bonding time with, with their children and among their children. But um, a lot of them also said that they would love it if their own kids went into the field that they're in. They would love it if their kids knew how to code and could come up with some new app and could, you know, just come up with something really cool that involves the internet and involves screen time and involves devices. So I guess the main takeaway that I came away with was that these tech executives are really struggling with this just as much mm-hmm. as we are, which in, in a way was kind of disappointing because I was, I too, as a parent was hoping that they would have the answer and tell me exactly what the playbook <laughs> should be of how, <laughs> of how I should parent my own children when they come to device use. But um, I think that they're very conflicted as well. And I think that there's good reasons on both sides of the argument for that. Um, but so many of them said that they felt like if they had been totally banned, if, you know, if, if circumstances were as they are now for, for when these guys were um, coming of age, they felt like if they had been totally banned from using devices or from connecting to certain apps or sites, that they wouldn't be where they are today and that they, you know, are glad that they're in the, the fields that they're in. But it's just, you know, that delicate balancing act that apparently they're struggling with, too. Sometimes as a parent, it feels easier to just say, (laughs) to use a phrase from our childhood, just say no, you know, just say no to your child when they're like, I want this. And, and, and the reality is that when we have to actively parent through these issues, it does require a lot more from us, but that's kind of, I guess, what we got into when we got into this parenting game. But in the end, the payoff in theory, is so much greater because we are teaching children the skills that they need to be able to navigate social media, navigate technology, learn technology, implement technology, work in technology, which is, of course, obviously where we are now and where we are going in the future. And I really appreciate yeah. that perspective from from both the, the tech executives and that you sharing that with us because, as I say, I think it's sometimes easy for us to just close our minds off or close the door and say, look, I'm going to be the strict parent who says, no, never, you can't. But are you stealing from your child the opportunity for them to learn responsible screen usage, uh, responsible, you know, ethics online? Are you, are, and are you stealing from them the opportunity to maybe tap into a part of um, technology and learning that they can be, a, you know, a contributing member of, of that industry? So um, I think that's, that's exactly. a really good perspective. Um, Elizabeth, thank you so much for taking the time to share this with us. I'm going to place a link to um, Elizabeth's article in the show notes. You'll be able to access that here in the podcast app that you're listening to this podcast on. We always have that included on the show notes on this unmillennialife.com. But I'm going to let Elizabeth tell you how you can find her and connect with her when you're on your screens online. <laughs> Uh, well, all of my stories live on NBCNews.com, and I've also got a professional Facebook page. If you look me up on Facebook, it's just that uh, my my Facebook page is Elizabeth Chuck, NBCNews.com reporter, and I would love your feedback on any of my stories there. I cover uh, mostly health and health policy. Um, children's health and development is among one of the topics that's one of my favorites. So. Um, lots of stuff, lots of stuff there. And I would love, I would love your, your listeners feedback on any, any of my stories. 
Well, and Elizabeth, I would love to um, comb your archives and find more of your articles and have you back for future episodes because this was great. You were a great guest and um, health and health policy among children is something that we all as a millennial moms and dads are interested in. So thank you for taking the time and I look forward to having you back on again. That sounds great. Thank you so much, Reagan. Okay, that wraps up my interview with Elizabeth. As you can hear, so much to consider and so much that really is required of us as parents. And that is always where the conviction falls right at my feet to realize that I like to set forth some hard, fast rules. But in many cases, it's about evaluating what is right for this time in their lives and our lives and what is the most balanced use of their technology. So I hope this has given you a lot to think about. I know that this is a topic in the podcast Facebook group that we love to discuss. So if you are not a member of that group, I hope you will join. It's at facebook.com slash groups slash this unmillennial life. I'm going to take a quick commercial break, but don't go anywhere. I'll be wrapping up the show with some odds and ends. That's coming up next. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible offers listeners of This Unmillennial Life a free trial and free audiobook download simply by visiting audibletrial.com slash unmillennial. That's audibletrial.com slash unmillennial. So I'm going to give you guys a preview that in the odds and ends segment today, I'm going to be talking to you briefly about my new favorite show on Amazon, which is inspired by the Tom Clancy book series featuring Jack Ryan. And it got me thinking, now that I'm at the end, of season one. I want so much more, but I don't want to have to wait for more Jack Ryan until season two comes out. So the perfect solution is to download one of the many Tom Clancy books that Audible has available for listening. So that's what I'm doing next to get my Jack Ryan fix. You can do the same by visiting audibletrial.com slash unmillennial. That's audibletrial.com slash unmillennial. Welcome back. So I guess one of the benefits of producing your own commercials for your own podcast is that you get to preview what's coming up next. So you just heard me mention that I wanted to talk to you guys about my newest, if I had a VCR, I'd tape this recommendation. It's not from Netflix. It's from Amazon Prime. And it is the new Jack Ryan series on Amazon Prime. There's only one season. It is, as I just said, based off of the Tom Clancy popular book series, which I have actually never read any of the Jack Ryan books. Many of you all may have. But if you haven't, and you want to get a taste of whether or not you like this storyline, this is a very quick and easy binge-worthy show to watch. It stars John Krasinski, who many of you probably know from The Office. I am probably one of only five humans on the planet that never watched The Office. I have watched it. I'm going to be honest. It's not my kind of humor. And I hope that doesn't turn some of you all off. I hope we can still be friends. But I've never been a big office watcher, obviously, but I do adore him in the show. I really liked this program. Again, it's pretty easy to watch. It's not a long season. It also features Wendell Pierce, who... Those of you who have watched Suits will recognize him. He is, I think, a great actor and plays a really key role in this series. Without giving too much away about the plot, I'll just tell you that it is described on Amazon like this. And I quote, 
When CIA analyst Jack Ryan stumbles upon a suspicious series of bank transfers, his search for answers pulls him from the safety of his desk job and catapults him into a deadly game of cat and mouse throughout Europe and the Middle East, with a rising terrorist figurehead preparing for a massive attack against the U.S. and her allies. Those of you who have been listening for a while have probably picked up on this level of drama and intrigue and mystery and political and world undertones is right up my alley. I did really enjoy this show. Fortunately, it is not as gruesome as some of the shows that we've talked about recently, most notably in one of the previous episodes, I was encouraging you guys to watch season two of Ozark. We just had a friend this weekend tell us he had to turn it off. He just got tired of all the gruesomeness. So that is saying a lot. If you haven't started watching it, just know that I have warned you. I've also mentioned to you guys, Dr. Death. I'm about to start a about six weeks of travel. And that is going to be one of the podcasts that I am hoping to uh, begin listening to. So you've got plenty of recommendations now for audiobooks, binge-worthy TV, podcasts to listen to once you're finished listening to all of the episodes that you need to get caught up on here on This Unmillennial Life. And of course, as always, I'd love to have your recommendations. You can send them to me in an email, reagan at thisunmillennialife.com. You can message me on social media. I'm available on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Reagan Jones RD. You, you can always give me a shout out in the This Unmillennial Life Facebook group. That group, again, is available at facebook.com slash groups slash this this Millennial Life. I want to ask you guys a quick favor. If you are enjoying this season or any of the previous episodes that you've listened to, please take a minute to give a positive review in your podcast app. Thank you for everyone who has shared a positive review on Apple Podcasts and for downloading on Apple Podcasts because you guys have made this show consistently week after week, rise to the top of the charts in the top 100 of personal journal podcasts. And I am forever grateful. So thank you. Thank you for listening, subscribing, downloading. Thank you for sharing with a friend. That is one of the ways that I hear consistently from people who get hooked on the show that they find out about it is from a personal recommendation. So I appreciate that. This Unmillennial Life is available wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the NPR One app. I look forward to bringing another episode to you next week. I hope you have a great day. Take care. Thank you for listening to This Unmillennial Life podcast with host Reagan Jones. Musical support provided by Ben Williams at Kudzu Studio. Website support provided by Katie Widrick at MakeMediaOver.com. I'm Robin Plotkin of RobinSpite.com. And on behalf of the podcast, I invite you to join us next week for another episode. Thank you for listening. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com records.